Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Practitioner Radio Pink Elephants podcast for the ITIL practitioner community. Hey, it's Chris, and this is episode 11, and I'm here with Troy Dumoulet, who I forgot his last name on the last episode. Sorry about that. I, it does happen. I know, but I enjoy saying Dumoulet. It's, it feels good. So listen, this is the fastest 30 minutes in, in, in service management, so we got to get going. Let's hit it. Now, Troy, I don't often get to ask you, but are you available? You know, I'm as available as I possibly can be, and more so for the people who matter. <laughs> so let's talk about availability management. Uh, plus, I've always been dying to ask you, are you available? Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a lovely wife and family, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. She'd have to be lovely. Um, this being episode uh, 11, we're, we're, we're over our, uh, our big number 10 there. Um, let's get into... Uh, Release, I, or I'm sorry, availability. I was kind of excited because uh, I read through your blog post for today and and it hit on a couple of things. And I thought, before I get too far in this, I just thought I'd ask you. So when someone asked me, well, you know, tell me your definition of an availability. So I always tell people, or it's my, at least it's my thoughts, that availability is always like, kind of like what the blog said, like what we did, like where we, what were our stats? Did we meet our SLAs and stuff? But to me, availability also mixes in a little bit of prediction or trending so that I know that someone might consider that demand, but availability takes into account, I always thought, our growth pattern. So it's more than just did we meet it, it's this is the way we're going and this is what we need to look at. Or is that literally a separate function? Not at all. In fact, uh, what you're describing is most people's understanding and perception of availability. They look at it as the outcome of that availability report of uptime, right? Service availability, right. technology availability. But in essence, that's just the outcome or the final step in the you know the process. It's like like the SLA is the outcome of service level management, right? The hmm. the availability report is the is a, a deliverable of a whole process. And but when people think about the report as the basis and the total thing, as the SLA is often seen as the you know the total aspect of service level. That's interesting because it seems like a, through the last few podcasts, everything that we chatted about ended up being what was the end or the, 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 the what we produced from that process and not the process itself. The product of the process versus yeah. the means for generating it. Yeah. But someone has to generate it, right? It has to come from somewhere and it has to mean something. So that's funny that I often confuse the, the product with the actual means to do it. So if, if the product is that report you talked about, um, let's start there since that's what most people, at least me. And that's one product. That's the operational side. Availability is kind of one of those strange beasts and it kind of grows from the bottom up like many things. There's, mm-hmm. the, there's the design component because, you know, it's not a surprise that ITIL has put availability management as a process in the service design. That's the blueprinting side of things. Right. Then there's a day-to-day part of availability, which is the, the managed operations environment, which has that outcome of the availability report that we're talking about. And then there's also the, the incident management correlation when something breaks. So there's both a design and an operations, but typically it starts with the operational concepts first. My uptime. What, 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 are, my, what are my stats relative to service availability? 
Okay, so those th- those are actually products that help create the end product, or do you consider those root products as well, like the uptime report? Well, that's a root. That's a final product of the operational side of availability. Right, which is not the design side. Okay. You can actually do the operational side of availability and never talk about design. I think that's what most people do, or at least in my little shallow conversations. Well, because in ITIL version 2, the focus was more on the operations side. Mm. Um, in version 3, that pushed it earlier in the life cycle in design. Now, we always talked about you know designing systems with fault tolerance and redundancy and high availability. It always took kind of second fiddle and it People thought about availability more operationally because that's where they live. They live in the, you know, down in the server world. Day to day. Yeah, day to day. Um, someone tweeted out, and I'll, I'll try to put a link in the show notes, uh, and asked me to retweet it. And I usually don't do that, but this guy, I think, really wanted help. Um, it's funny how you try to <laughs> discern intent in 140 characters. But uh, he actually uh, tweeted out a link to a, a Google uh, website that was a dashboard of uh, the, their services and and what their statuses were. So was the service operating um, uh, functionally and was it up and that sort of thing. W- where do you find that sort of thing? Okay, so there are several kind of dashboarding products like that. I know I'm, I'm jumping okay. around here. But that's but. the visualization of the data that you would see in a traditional availability report. And that's your green, yellow, red. Okay, so I'm in, I, I am in the right ballpark with that link. Yeah. I mean, because okay. we're, we're creatures of the vis- visual, right? We like to see pictures yeah. versus just data points, or at least I do. Uh, yeah, I do too. And pictures give us the histograms and the, you know, the whole history view of things. It gives us management information. It should be in a dashboard slash visual way to look at it because that gives us the holistic view. But you, you can't just say, here's your tool without feeding it the data because what do you make the pictures with, right? How do you turn something green, yellow, red unless you've done the pre-definition of expectation? So that's the end Endpoint again. The tool is useless unless I feed it reasonable and accurate data. What about defining the reasonable, accurate data? Does that come up in the design section? I mean, <laughs> let's let's stop back here. I think. Yeah. Let me talk about again. I like to talk about the you know the typical way things evolve versus mature. Yes. So in a yes. technology organization, and we haven't even thought of the word system or service doesn't enter our vocabulary. Uh, availability really is, I've got a box, I've got an application, I've got a switch, I've got a router. Um, what's its uptime? I think of it at a component level. And then I might start aggregating component data to domains. So I can tell you what my relevant availability is of my group of servers here and this group of like applications over there and my network node over there, right? So we think of availability technologically, technologically wise. Uh, that's interesting data and we can display it. But who's going to be interested, Chris, in technology availability? What are your thoughts? Who would be? Who is the consumer of that? Probably the administ- administrators of those items, and I don't think anybody else really cares. I don't know exactly, but a technology organization. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, yeah, but the technology organization is so excited about that data, they want to feed it to their business customer, and they say, "Here's the availability of our server uptime, right? right? Or this, here's the availability of this application in isolation to everything else." By the way, right? You know, and they send this information and even put it in a so-called SLA to their customer, and they have no idea what to do with it because it's technology data for technology management purposes. Hmm. Well, I guess that data would be really relevant if you were a technology company. Uh, and, and you were trying to optimize and improve your technology stability relative to technology management objectives, which is what we do, and we are doing it. That dashboard would be brilliant for like Amazon Web Services, but does it make sense in a company that that's, I mean... We talked a little bit about our, our core businesses, our business services, when we were mentioning our uh, business continuity uh, last week. 
Um, and I thought, well, gosh, Troy, how would you ever define those? Um, if operationally availability is, but by default, we spend a lot of time in the weeds looking at the technical side of it. Do we ever take into consideration the business side of availability? Yeah, this is where what we're seeing now in the industry, right? So there's this paradigm shift we've talked about before where an organization wakes up one day and says we have to manage against relationships. So they start thinking systems. Like I have to manage all of the component parts of SAP, the system. Mm. I have to manage the exchange system availability, which is the aggregate of the all the components which build it. So I had to take the the components relevant to the server, the middleware, the clients, the databases, uh, the network component aspect of that. And I say the system availability of SAP is this based on the aggregate multiplication of all these other component sides. And then I say, well, hey, a system is one thing, but the system called SAP is one of many systems that support financial management as a service. And then I got to aggregate up again the data across the multiple systems that do this thing called financial management. But What's the dependency here? It's the it's the waking up one day and realizing we have to manage above the technology domain level at a system and service concept. So availability will kind of follow in its evolution. Organizations' perception of what they do relative to service management versus technology management. So they could be doing availability ten years ago, but chances are it's it's on an LPAR for a mainframe, right? Or it's on a switch or on a collection of devices, nothing to do with business services. So can you give me an example of, I don't want to say a mature business, but a, a business that might be looking at something at the level you're talking about, not the server. <laughs> I mean, would you have availability for just financial systems at the highest level? Just that would be the, the, the nomenclature? That's actually a very good analogy to start with because you know most groups have an ERP group yep. because if they've actually invested in SAP or Oracle or something of that nature, uh, they literally had to create a miniature IT function and call it the you know the ERP or SAP group in miniature. They've got a whole executive organizational structure just for that. Uh, they got its own you know used to have its own dedicated data center though those are going away. Uh, so often what you'll see is when we're looking at mission critical services where people have thought of it from a system and maybe even a service perspective. You'll have, you'll have systems availability for SAP, but then you'll have application-level availability for everything else in the same organization because of the attention and detail and focus based on risk. It really depends on what part of the company you're actually in. The SAP guys are doing it, but over here, you know, we're looking at um, an application availability based on the app alone being available. So availability really seems to be so tightly intertwined with almost everything we've talked about in every show up to this point. In fact, I like to talk about availability actually being closer in kin to problem management um, than it is anything else. Yeah. Because uh, incident management is restore service. Problem management is trying to figure out where are my weak spots in my environment and how do I eliminate them and produce improved availability, Right. And then availability itself is part design, which we haven't really got into yet, and then part day-to-day operations and reporting. <laughs> let's, let's get into design because that's the part that really confuses me. Think of it this way. All right. Um, so we have, we have, as a strategy, decided this is the organization we want to be as a service provider in the future, right? Here's our portfolio of existing, and here's our thoughts around new, and here's our maintenance around current as-is. So we take that information portfolio decision into now requirements gathering from our customers. Of course, we've fed the portfolio. But now we've got to take all of that and say, now we've got to build a design. The design has to have certain functional requirements it meets. Sure, I mean, it's got to be able to do this, that, and this. 
but also has to meet certain non-functional requirements. This is where warranty comes in, you know, the ISO mm. lexicon. So it has to have certain uh, robustness built into the design. And so when we understand the requirements of non-functional and functional, now we build that blueprint and we're laying in the redundancy and robustness we need based on the non-functional requirements. So that's part of the architecture discussion, right? That's part of the design-build discussion. Part of that will be what's the expected service level I expect this to have relative to availability or uptime. Relative to availability. All right. that's, that's one of the things. Okay. And so I set the target in design for what I expect to be adequate. Uh, and then I've got to now, in when I move that to production after I build that puppy, I've got to actually monitor against that expectation to see if I'm actually meeting it, meeting my SLA on availability, and then deal with the incidents relative to it. Okay, so we had a podcast on SLAs, and we talked about where in the organization, when you're designing them and thinking about them, they fit. But you just kind of threw a little bit of a curveball at me because it sounds like we really can't take a good stab at creating SLAs until we've been through this availability exercise. Well, let me let me say this. You can't take a good stab at service level management and SLAs until you have defined your service design attributes. One of those attributes is availability. But the SLA would cover things like performance, which is a capacity question. Right. It would cover things like security. We would cover things like reporting. So availability is only one attribute of service design. And that whole expectation that's built in design around this, what's called a service design package, right, is what then is gets published in either the catalog as a general offering to everybody or mm -hmm. to an SLA, which is a specific to a specific business customer. So SLA is simply the reciprocal in the publishing of things you've predetermined in your design phase. You people certainly earn those pins. Well, you know, you can't just expect something from nothing. You gotta have you have to manage expectations by defining them. I know, but I have such trouble sometimes, you know, here on practitioner radio because I find myself wanting to think about things either, you know, uh, serially, you know, it, you do this, then you do this, then you do this. And I have sometimes, you know, if, if I were to just throw all these processes in a big circle, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh no, actually now with this new information, I need to move this one here. And I just I have a hard time looking at all of the operations holistically some days here on Practitioner Radio. Well, and the thing is to get it a bit more complex. Sometimes the design part of availability might be done mm -hmm. by another group than the operational side of availability. Oh, Troy, you're tripping me out here on a Friday. I know, but let, let me give you an example. All right. So let's, let's, let's give that design part of availability to the architects, to the application developer or the systems architects, et cetera. That's, right. that's their area. And they're going to feed that requirement into service level management who's going to publish that SLA we just talked about. Right. Now we've got expectations. We've got our stick in the sand. We must meet these requirements. Now, now I've got to run and, and watch this thing. So I've got my dashboard up, these tools that you were talking about a few minutes ago, or I'm running my report. And I watch the, the lights go from green to yellow to red. And I've got issues, right? We've got issues in operations. We always do. I have to start trending to say, am I seeing a problem relative to this? And is that something that I have to now address with some root cause analysis to say, where's my weakness? And then take that, that root cause to say, yeah, it's something we can fix right now with a tweak or tune of our existing system. Or let's face it, not everything can be fixed today because of time or budget, right? right. I might have to say some things which I have identified from this reporting capability, monitoring capability, 
have to be then built into my planning cycle. For example, I determine I need a whole new storage area network, a new SAN. There's no way I'm going to actually get that funded this year. So this availability input, right, into problem management says I need this SAN. So here is the plan. So you got a, a new piece of your design from the actual process of running through availability. Exactly, because it's a feedback loop. Gotcha. The continuous life cycle. <laughs> Circle of life. Yes, it is. But here's what happens normally. And this happens in most all uh, early stage organizations. They, they have this thing called an availability report. They're very proud of it. They show it to us in an assessment. And we run this monthly. Yeah. I said, okay, that's great. It's a very nice and you know, fancy report. And I say, what do you do with it? Well, we, you know, we, we run it. We look at it and uh, we make sure that the, the, the suppliers get penalized where they need to be penalized. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, if it's going well, we just accept that as normal. Do they ever send thank yous? <laughs> no, very rarely. It's basically you don't okay. get yelled at that month, right? Okay. Much like real life. Yeah. Okay. This availability report gets run month after month. They slap who they need to slap. They pat who they need to pat. Yep. And then they throw the report over their shoulder and they, you know, do it again. And so mm. month after month, it's report, pat, slap. Slap, pat, report, slap. Nothing is done with this information other than determining whether we met obligations and growling at the right people. It's a shame we can't get a report on what we did with the report. This is where that seven-step concept, we run the report and nothing comes out of it. What right. should be happening, okay, here's tip number one, availability management. If you do nothing else tomorrow after this session, take that availability report and feed it into some kind of problem analysis discussion that says, what is it telling me? So that's that's like a, that's like a little mini thunderbolt right there. Sure. Don't worry about documenting your processes and figuring out your roles and your racy and all that. Just take that silly report and feed it into problem management and ask yourself, what is it telling me and what do I need to loop back in for improvement? Some things I can fix now and some things need to be budgeted and planned for as next portfolio uh, request. So that's, that's where most companies are with these, you know, this availability management report. Gosh, you know, you, you really could spend a lot of time with companies fine-tuning these types of things that we talk about each week. But then I think to myself, gosh, turnover, or at least people change, must make this difficult because you almost need to restart from scratch with someone new. Unfortunately, that happens more than you would like because of the, the turnover of our leadership, which is, you know, they were saying, what, 18 months for a CIO not too long ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the recent you know, economic conditions we've had have made a lot of change. Many companies, in fact, Breakfast with Pink, we were just at the session in D.C., and the guy said, I had a perfect change process. It took me five years to get this in place. It was working. He said, you know, perfect was maybe a strong term. He didn't use that, but right, it was, right, right, it was right. fit for purpose. Right. He had a new leadership come in. There was an amalgamation with two different agencies, with government agencies here. And he said the whole thing went out the window. Five years of work tossed because of turnover. You know, just because you work out three times a day doesn't mean you can't have a Twinkie. All right. So... <laughs> We need, can, can you for me, I know this is the availability show and I've, I've learned a lot already, educating readers working this week. Just just dance, dance real lightly on demand management and where how it relates or doesn't relate to availability. Okay, well, demand is actually a process that actually has a couple of different definitions around it. So is that a whole show in itself? It is. Darn, okay. Uh, but there is the, the, the intake of requirements into design and portfolio. Right. So there and, is a there's a bridge here. Yeah. And then there is and that because that bridge goes into design and around the design part of availability. Yeah. But then there is the things you do to basically manage availability, excuse me, manage demand, 
relative to how you position and present offers. But that's a whole show. Okay. But I, I felt this 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 bridge, this connection. I just had to ask. I, had, I know it's not the show top. I had to get it off my chest. That's because ITIL is a integrated framework, right? I like to think of it. Think of I like to think of ITIL as a room full of chairs all tied together. You kick one over and three move uh, six inches, and the one in the back of the room starts to titter a little bit. It's all connected. See, th- that visual made me think of that old game where you play music and then you pull a chair out and a kid. Oh, well. Um, what is that game called? You know, on the one I'm talking about with the chairs. Yeah, and the yeah, kids? yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, my gosh! Uh, you know, all of our listeners are screaming right now at the at the at the radios. It's called this. All right, um, musical chairs. <laughs> musical chairs. That's it. It's not ringing around the rosy. All right, so it wouldn't be a a practitioner radio without one of my crazy visuals. So I think in pictures. I'm I'm probably just one step from Rain Man. Um, <laughs> while you were talking, all I kept going through my head when you were explaining the design component, availability, and what to do when you're looking at the data was believe it or not, electrical companies. And I thought, you know, in the summer, some electrical companies know because of the weather reports that we're kind of a really hot week next week. So they'll do now, at least here in Colorado, these rolling brownouts. And it's almost their way of saying, you can expect reduced service. And not only can you expect it, we're telling you we're going to reduce it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a demand management aspect. Okay, so I'm back on my demand side. Okay, I knew that it could get that out of my head, so that's probably what invoked me to say demand. You, you you're like a you're like the ITIL exorcist for me. I just keep these things just keep flying out of me. Well, they are connected, right? That's yeah. that's not untrue. Okay, because we're going to talk about that, and I'm sure that might be in our next show. I think we'll do it. Should there. be right because my electrical company you know charges me less from seven till seven in the night until like six the next morning. That's demand management. That's the that's the influencing side of demand. Well, what what is it when your electrical company says, it's going to be a bad week for us next week. We're telling you now, expect outages. And, and not not outages, but reduced service. So literally, well, you know, if it's really hot, they'll turn down our lights a few watts for an hour each day. Well, they're managing expectation. I mean, the same thing when a, an organization says, you know, we told you we'd make so much money in the next quarter. Just be aware, we're going to come in lower. They're just trying to mitigate the disgruntled side of their customer experience. Have you ever seen an organization say, hey, we're merging with with this other company we just acquired, expect service quality to be reduced? Best effort, yep. I've seen it happen. All right. And then can you tweak your design? In, in your design, do you have any place for variables based on business growth? It actually comes back more back to the IT service continuity component, right? Um, okay, we were there last week. That's right, because you can actually say, here is our disaster recovery side, uh, our plan. But let's understand that when we are in that mode, we're going to be at diminished capacity. Don't expect that in my DR mode or now in this merged mode, you're going to have the same level. And do you agree that that's reasonable? You do that conversation up front. Mm. But you're, again, you're managing expectations, which is an input into service level management. Yeah, it's almost like planned disaster recovery because, you know, we're not going to be wiped out, but we know it's going to be bad because, well, we're going to live through it, but it's the way it's going to be for the next two weeks. And in one sense, it gives you a little bit of an out, but it also prepares your customer to make alternate plans. If they were, you know, planning on having a, a party that week, they they now have to kind of make a contingency situation. Hmm. So I can almost see every department watching the availability statuses, you know, the, the product at least, uh, to take cues about what they plan and when they plan it. Every department, not just the IT people. Well, availability gives us 
information for improvement in design, but it also gives us forecasts, right? If we know, and this is where you're going with your conversation, if we know something is going to happen, we can prepare people and they can make their plans. So it's looking back and looking forward. Yeah, you're right. It is the preparedness is where I was driving that because oftentimes, you know, I hate to even use the words because I'm so sick of them, but reactive versus proactive. And I just don't see a lot of preparedness, but I don't get to work with the cool organizations you do. Here's a thought. All right. Remember I mentioned the uh, the fact that you don't actually have to have the design and the reactive operational side in the same hands? Right. Here's my, here's my little rant. Um, <laughs> I believe that the design component of availability and capacity and IT service continuity is the day job of the architecture group. That's what they should be doing. Design would go slower. Design was uh, availability, capacity. Availability, capacity, service continuity design, right? All of that should be the day job of the service architect. Uh, today, what happens is they often climb into their towers and they want to just prognostic or forecast what the new technologies are and what we should take on. And that is part of the role. But this, but this is your blue collar part. Yeah, they should also be taking the data feed from the various domains, service owners, or whatever you got, taking that and looking at the aggregated view to say, what does it mean for changes to design and what does it mean for future requirements? Now, Martin Erb's Twitter handle is Service Architect. Yes. We should, we should, we should, we should quiz him with that one and ask him what his day job is. <laughs> ah, that would be a good idea. He's a, he'd actually have a lot to say about this. Yeah, because I, I do see what you're saying. A, a lot of those people that I know who are designated service architects, they they seem like their day job is the uh, prognostication, uh, whimsical part of it and not the analytic part that you're mentioning. They don't want to even see the data. They don't want to get their hands dirty. Don't even ask them to help you with an operational issue. Yeah, it, 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 it literally is. It feels like the white collar versus the blue collar ITIL. Well, they need to work as they have an intake of data to help them in their design and future. What's the word? You just use it again. I can't remember it. Prognostication. There you go. They need to do that. And they are, in my sense, the role that's most equipped to do this enterprise, cross-functional groups view of service design. Uh, I mean, you could argue with me, and many people probably will, but that's my view. No, 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 no. But that's important, because I think there are a few things that we really can take away from the, this conversation that, that are critical. I mean, the, the product versus the design component of uh, the availability. And then, you know, this new piece, I didn't even expect us to meander to, uh, but the architect's role as the prognosticator versus the analyzer of the data. I mean, I, I mean, this is, this is the real people part of ITIL. I mean, I mean, because the, the people, is not just the people we serve, but it's the people we, we are peers to. That's right. And so on the reactive side, the roles are, I've got a technical domain owner, the server guy and the app guy for this group or the database guy. They have their own data. They collect it for their own technical reasons. We talked about it at the talk of the beginning of the show. But they've got to aggregate that up, that domain data, to a system and service view. Well, if you have a system owner, you know, who owns Exchange or SAP as a system, they should be aggregating that. And if you have a service owner, they might do that again. So there's the management side. You know, what's happening today and what do I need to do to either change customer expectation as you were going into, Chris, or just my CSI for this service, right? That's data they need to bring into, back into design loop and feed back into the architect. Amazing. Uh, you know, you're brilliant. I, I don't know how we, we, we buzz through 30 minutes like nobody's business. 
Uh, literally, it's like it's like time travel. This show could be called Not Practitioner Radio, DeLorean and Dulu, uh, Dumoulet, Part 2. All right. Troy, it, it's that time. It's time for Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day! Okay, Chris. Remember, availability management is not just a report you run every month to satisfy, satisfy senior leadership. The report is only one output or product of a full process in the same way that the SLA is a deliverable of service level management. Wow. With that, have a great weekend. Are all you out there listening? Whenever you're listening, have a great rest of your day, week, night, whatever. We'll see you in two weeks with Demand Management. Thanks so much, Troy. Take care. Bye-bye. 